0: This morning we're going to read uh, two whole chapters of Hebrews but don't worry it's 42 verses which isn't, isn't a great number really. There's chapters of the Bible that are far longer but we're going to read uh, 42 verses together. That there's about seven or eight at least sermons worth of uh, options from these 42 verses but I'm not going to try and cram eight sermons into the next 30 minutes so don't fret uh, so we are going to read Hebrews 1 and 2, and we'll do that together in a moment. But I want to ask, uh, I just want to just, I suppose, lay out the, the fact that we're trying to, and everyone who speaks will be trying to do this, will be sort of navigating. I want to do justice to the scriptures. I want to do justice to, the, to what's here, but fully aware that we don't want to, we're not going to spend the next two years preaching through Hebrews. So we're going, to, we're going to spend some time in t We're going to give it a, a good chunk of time between now and Christmas. There's, that, that, that's what we've got. But we're, we're aware, and you need to be aware, that we're not going to cover everything. So there may well be things that come up and you think, oh, I'd really be interested in that. What does that mean? And I can point you to resources. We can point you to resources to help you with that. Um, and I would encourage you to, in your... Uh, own devotions your own time studying the word to do that as we go through Um, but we're not going to be able to cover everything who owns a pair of bluetooth headphones if you just stick your hand up if you're online you could stick a virtual hand up or you could wave at the camera i can't see you but other people can so keep your hand up okay 10 years ago who owned a pair of bluetooth headphones (laughs) yes i love it There's a challenge for the title of tech guy. Um, Not sure, okay. This here on the left, how much do you think these Bluetooth headphones cost? Right now, right now. You could buy these on your phone in this instance. They're, They're the cheapest ones you can buy. Okay, one penny and then you pay £3.99 for the shipping. One, so, so four pounds, but you buy the actual headphones themselves for one penny. You can see in there, uh, in the middle, that is a 1923 Chevrolet, uh, and then on the right-hand side is a, I think it's a Bosch uh, or something like that, a hand blender or a blender thing. What do those things have in common, you wonder? Huh? They don't work. <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> Funny you should say that. They don't work. So all these things, to some extent, all indicate a, 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 a thing that came about primarily in the 1920s. It was kind of on the way in uh, before that. Uh, has anyone ever heard of the, the Phoebus cartel? No? They were instrumental in this, in reducing the lifespan of light bulbs. In the US, in the United States, in the car market, everyone who could afford a car had a car. And so what happened was uh, General Motors and Chevrolet and all the different companies, they started uh, pro- producing new versions of the same car. In the 1923, uh, Chevrolet is one of the prime examples. The technology in the car was nine years old, but they made it look different. So people saw it and wanted the new look of the car. The blender on the right-hand side has... uh, You can't really see it very well, but there's a matchstick at the bottom, and there's a tiny piece of plastic which is designed to break after so many times of being pressed. Planned obsolescence. Bluetooth headphones are now almost essential. A lot of phones that you would buy now, a lot of uh, technological devices, won't have a headphone jack. Because the companies that make these things want you to buy their headphones that are Bluetooth headphones. They don't want you to use the same old ratty pair of headphones that you've had since you first got your Nokia 3310. What? <laughs> the, heart, the strongest substance known to man was used to craft a 3310. <laughs> In the 1920s, though, part of this, there was a thing called, it's called planned obsolescence. Basically, there's a plan for these things to break down and for them to become obsolete, needed to be repaired. Now, one of the guys who proposed this, it was to try and get people out of the Great Depression, They're trying to sort of stimulate the economy. If we make things that break, people will have to buy more things, which means they'll be spending more money, they'll have to earn more money, and you understand it, sort of, has a, a knock-on effect but what that's meant is I would say definitely for people in my generation and I think probably a bit before there's a really important concept has been lost and that's the concept of maintenance how to maintain something to spend time okay and I think if you're in certain industries you maybe it's still there Chefs have to look after their knives. I I like barbecuing things and stuff, and I was cutting a piece of meat, and it was taking me ages. Megan came and said, have you sharpened that knife? And I said, I never sharpen the knives. She said, oh, I do it all the time. So straight away, easy, and I couldn't believe it, the difference that it made. But it's something that's been lost, this idea of I need to maintain these things. My granddad, my mum's uh, dad was a mechanic, and he, so he knew about cars. He knew you know, how to take the bits out and put them in and all of this kind of stuff, and my mum knew those things, but that knowledge never really made its way down to me. If I want to maintain my car, I have to take it to the Honda garage, or look up on YouTube and trust someone that has uh, made a video and put it on there. Or ring your mum. Or ring my mum, yeah. The cars are so complicated now, it's, it's changed. Um, who, have you ever owned a plant? How long did it live for? You know The laughter there, the, the, the knowing chuckle. A bit more seriously, what have you neglected to maintain? Your marriage? Friendships, your physical or mental health? Maybe even your spiritual health. These things all require maintenance. Let's read the Word of God together. If you're okay to click through as I'm reading, that'd be helpful. I'm reading from Hebrews 1 all the way to the end of chapter 2. Long ago, Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you... Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, And by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. For it is not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honour, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of, your, of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death Who are being tempted. It's the word of the Lord. This morning we're looking at the superiority of Jesus compared to angels. And in many ways, this is a a continuation of last week's message and those first four verses that Alex brought out. They they end with that kind of uh, note about Jesus becoming. Or being superior to angels. And so we see at the beginning that the writer to the Hebrews is, is contrasting Jesus with angels. Saying he's superior to, these, to the angels. And he's superior in a number of ways. In, in nature, in name, in position and in service. His nature is superior. His name is superior. His His position, his status, as it were, is superior and his service is superior. He's superior to angels in his nature. He is the son. He is begotten, not created. We sing that at Christmas time, don't we? Angels are made. They are created beings. Jesus is begotten. He's superior to them. In chapter 1, verses 2, we see this. Verse 2, we see this. In these last days, he's spoken by his son. He's spoken by his son. Verse 5. For which of the an- to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Now, just as a little aside, when it says, today I have begotten you, it doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't a son and then after that day he was it's saying that it's just just indicating the the difference in status difference in nature that he is the son some people some of the commentators think that actually in some ways it's, it's referring to a moment of when Jesus was resurrected it's almost like a confirmation today I've begotten you today you can see this is the son Others just think actually it's, he's eternally begotten. But it doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't a son and then was. He's eternally the son. Jesus is superior in name. People love angels. People, are, it's, I mean, they're, it's, it's fascinating. If you start doing some uh, internet research, which I'm not always sure is the greatest research, uh, about angels. You can go down some crazy, crazy rabbit holes. You can buy, if you, I'm not even sure I should suggest this, you can see images and models that people think this is what an angel looks like. And someone's, this is the biblically accurate model of an angel. And it's because there's not a huge amount in here about angels in the Word of God. And so, you, you know, these wheels with eyes on and wings coming out of all sorts of strange places. And you sort of think, well, people, say, we, people think of angels and they think, you know, a little chubby baby floating around, or they think of, you know, a beautiful person with wings coming out of their back. And, and then people say, no, that's not what it's like in the Bible. If you look at this, it, it's these sort of really bizarre, creepy, weird things that almost look like they sort of would freak you out if they appeared is The Bible isn't 100% clear on this. Is exactly, there's no, they're this tall, they've got this color eyes. This, there's, there are some descriptions, but much like when you read the book of Revelation, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Andy Ollerton said, When we read Revelation, it's like looking through a keyhole at a party, you can kind of see what's going on, and that looks like there's a, there's someone, you know, you see a couple of people dancing, and it looks like. One person with four arms and you think, oh, no, actually, no, it's, it's someone dancing. It, we don't see fully. We don't get the full picture. And so it's a mistake to try and go, well, we've got this little bit of information. That's the whole story. But Jesus is superior in his name. He, it, the son. It says here that he is inherited. He's become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. In Revelation, it talks about Jesus having a name that, that no one except himself knows. People love angels. They, I think I can remember a period of time where people were desperate to have a, an angelic encounter. You're much better off having an encounter with Jesus than an encounter with an angel. He is superior in his reign as the eternal king. Jesus is sat now at the right hand of the majesty on high and everything is being brought into subjection to him. Everything will be his subject. We don't see that right now, but in the world to come, everything will finally and fully experience the rule and reign of Christ. He has been exalted above angels. He is superior to them because of his service. He's superior in his service. Angels delivered a message. In uh, Jewish tradition, the, it was angels that delivered the message to the prophets. They would tell, you know, this is what God's saying. And in the writer in Hebrew says, the message that was delivered by the angels was trustworthy. How much more then... The message that's delivered by the Son. Jesus was the embodiment of the final, definitive word from God. So, what is the point of this? The point of the writer writing these things, saying these things, is that we see that Jesus is superior to angels, and the message that came from the angels was trustworthy. And so we can see that a superior message has been spoken by a superior messenger. Last week, we looked at how the message was superior. Or at least introduced that. A superior message has been spoken by a superior messenger. But what, this superior word is this. I'm going to read uh, from Hebrews 2 again. What is this superior message? I'm going to read verses, verse 9 and then 14 to 18. We see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honour because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, who are being tempted that is the superior message that jesus tasted death for us so that we might be delivered from death that through his death he would defeat the one who had the power of death that is the devil this superior word is that jesus has been tempted in every way like us He is able to sympathise and help those who are being tempted. He is a merciful and faithful high priest. I love you guys, but I hope that you aren't looking to me or Andy for your salvation. I really hope you're not. I don't anticipate this being the case, but I have known enough pastors and elders who've got it so, so wrong. And now, well, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it really, but you need to be looking to Jesus. He is the faithful, merciful high priest, He is the one who has made payment for your sins in order to have relationship restored with the Father. Jesus is now crowned with glory and honour because he is victorious. He has tasted death. The author of life tasted death on your behalf. The creator stepped into creation. He became flesh so that he could die and deliver us. He was made like us in order to stand in our place. To stand before God on our behalf. It's no pain to me to preach effectively what is a gospel message to a church. Because that's what the writer to Hebrews is doing. And why? He says this at the beginning of chapter 2. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. Lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect so, such a great salvation? He's writing to Christians. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. We know what, he, when you see a therefore, you have to look at what it's there for. You look at the, the preceding verses and that kind of stuff. We know what it's there for. He tells us why. He's, he's spent a whole chapter saying, Jesus is superior to angels. The Son is superior to angels. And if you listened to what the, angel, the message that came through the angels, you have to listen to the message that came through the sun, Because it's so much better. He is so much better, and so his message is so much better. We need to pay attention. We need to pay much closer attention to what we heard, lest we drift away from it. How shall we escape if we neglect that message? This idea of neglect, it's, it's the same idea as the, the parable of the wedding feast when the, the people are being invited to come. Come to, my, come to the wedding feast, come to the wedding feast. I oh know I've, I've, just, I've just bought a field, I need to go and deal with that. They're, p- pay no, they're not paying attention to the invitation. They're not paying attention to it. This message is serious in that it's not just that Jesus delivered it, but then witnesses confirmed it. The apostles confirmed it. That those who heard in their life and in their death and in sort of their writings, the apostles, they attested to what was said. They gave up their lives, many of them, for this message, this superior message. And then it was—it's also demonstrated in signs and wonders. That if you look through Acts, my my. The version of Acts in this Bible is, it's got highlight for one colour, the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit confirms through signs and wonders. Or a mir- something miraculous happens and an opportunity for the gospel to be preached occurs. God confirmed through the demonstration of signs and wonders, through the power of the Holy Spirit. This letter, this letter to the Hebrews is not an academic-only exercise Like all good theology, it must find its way into impacting our lives. It should change us in some way. How will we escape? How will we be be delivered if we neglect this great salvation? The implication, the rhetorical question is, there is no escape if you neglect this great salvation. As I said last week, this is a moment to embrace discomfort. What does that mean? What does it mean? There is no escape in the judgment to come if we, for anyone who neglects so great a salvation, for anyone who pays no attention to the message of Jesus. That's why I would always encourage anyone who preaches, preach the, preach the gospel when you're preaching in church. Because there are many people who perhaps have been in church a long time, think they're saved, but actually... They've just heard, maybe they put their hand up in a meeting, but they didn't really know what they were doing. And actually, they're just drifting along. They need to embrace this great salvation. There is only one way to be saved, through Jesus Christ. To hold this opinion is an offensive and not trendy opinion to have, but it is the claim of Christianity, it is the claim of Jesus that there is one way to the Father. So I want to ask you this morning, do you pay close attention to what you've heard? Or are you drifting a bit? Are you neglecting the great salvation that's on offer to you? How many people do you know who are serious about this great salvation? Who spend time pondering and thinking about this is what Jesus has done for me. He did that for me. He did that for us. This is amazing. It should shape and impact our, our lives. We should be eager to refine and polish and expand our understanding of all that Christ has done. We should find delight and joy in it. We're no longer in a life of slavery. We're not, we're not trapped in a life of slavery. We're set free. Do you ever take a walk and just sit and wonder at it? Or do you put your one-penny Bluetooth headphones in and listen to a podcast of, I don't know, a couple of guys talking about a film that they've watched? That seems to be the, the main producer of podcasts. Do you sit and meditate on the enormity and the grandeur of it? That everything will be put into to the rule, it will, everything will be brought under the rule and reign of Christ. The gospel is, has cosmic implications. I don't mean that like you know cosmic man. I don't mean like that. I mean huge implications, and it's, it has implications for your life. Do you recognise its value and its worth so much that you're, you're desperate to tell other people about it? You're eager. You can. I, I, I need to find a way to communicate this to some so that it's going to win them over because. This is so important. This is such a great salvation. So, Christian, has your light grown dim? Has the fire in your heart begun to cool towards the things of God? Remind yourself of all that Christ has done for you, recall the victory that he has won. He has beaten the devil. Remember that he has defeated the one who has the power over death. He's delivered all those who through the fear of death were subject to live in slavery. There's no fear of death for the Christian. There are some things around it you think they're not pleasant. But death itself, there's no fear of death for the Christian. I think I've said before, I've requested of Megan, if I die before her, which is Statistically is highly likely. I pray that it's not the case. Um, Not that I want her to die early. (laughs) But, you know, we've talked about it and she'd prefer to go first. Um... (laughs) But I've said, if, if I go first, I want my funeral to be a mockery of death. What a joke. You think you've got any power over me? I'm living it up. I've never been so alive. 2 Corinthians thirteen five says we should examine ourselves. We should test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And so I don't want to cause you to doubt whether you're saved or not, but I want to encourage you to say, am I taking this as seriously as I should do? do I, if I really believe this, I need to be all in. Now, that all in looks different for everyone, but I need to be all in. What have you been neglecting and what are you going to do about it? I want to finish with those two questions, really, and these three suggestions. If you feel you've neglected this great salvation in some way, the good news is... Jesus is a faithful and merciful high priest who stands between us and God and who we can come to and say, I messed it up again. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. He says, It's not okay, but I forgive you. I've earned your forgiveness. I've earned it already. Don't need to do anything to earn it. Just come and repent. I want to encourage you to work to maintain what we can have, what we have neglected. And I want to encourage you to wonder again at your salvation. Psalm 51, often, often quoted. Let me read these verses. Maybe these speak to a number of us. And then we'll sing a song. Well, the band will come and lead us in a song. And I'll just encourage you. Just Don't sing along. Just listen. Just pray. Maybe pray these words for yourself. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your holy spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold a willing spirit. Within, um, uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Lord, I pray that you would create in us clean hearts, renew right spirit within us that you would draw us into your presence as you've done this morning, that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit and that we would be restored to the joy of your salvation. You have saved us. You have won. Restore the joy of that. We live, we are part of the winning team. Do all of that, Lord, that we might teach transgressors your ways in our words, in our deeds that sinners would turn to you because of what you've done in us this morning. Amen.